0: Are you
1: the devil? All you need to know is you work for me That the joke was on me So that's it, huh? We're the Patsies We're some kind of suicide squad
0: Let's go save the world
1: episode of the pod chat show is about suicide squad um, if you've been joining us recently we've been talking a little bit about the Justice League movies um, the DC extended universe leading up to the Justice League coming out November 17th um, which is just in a couple days here so we're cutting it pretty close um, I'm joined here by Quinn Kaiser again talking some suicide squad the anti-heroes what's up Quinn
0: Hey Jordan, surprised you didn't work in a Harley Quinn reference there, but I let it slide, good to be back on.
1: What sort of Harley Quinn reference could I have made? I don't
0: know, (laughs)
1: not for you. I mean, something about pudding, I don't know, Um, (laughs) Suicide Squad, um, not necessarily the most well-received of DC movies so far, um, there are multiple reasons for that, I feel like, um, I, didn't, I didn't think the movie was terrible, it wasn't, I mean, I'd go to the movie theater to watch movies like these to enjoy myself, not necessarily get, you know, blown away by the story or anything like that, um, but what was your, you know, what's your Twitter-length review of Suicide Squad? Uh,
0: 280 characters or 140.
1: 140. You gotta condense that shit. <laughs>
0: all right, all right. We're we're old Twitter. All right, and 140, um, popcorn flick in theaters. Tough watch on the HBO at uh, at the stage it's at now.
1: Yeah, my my Twitter length review would be too colorful great characters, or maybe not great characters, great actors, I should say, and just too much going on. There's just, surprisingly, with all these names in it and, you know, off of Batman vs Superman, I just thought there was too much going on in this movie. Um, It's not to say I didn't enjoy it. There are parts of the film that I really enjoyed that I'm hopeful that we can see some of those elements in future installments.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think there were a, a lot of things going on, a lot of characters pulling in. Um, some characters, Boomerang, I'll just call, I'm just going to call him out right away. Um, I think he was maybe just in the film to introduce Flash for a moment. Um, yeah. But I, I get it. But at the same time, I watching it a second time for for the purpose of the podcast and some personal entertainment, hanging out, uh, it was tough to sit through uh, in theaters it was fine. I wanted as many D C characters as possible. Um, and I enjoyed the little cut screens so they're like stats of of what they're kinda known for. But I, I certainly enjoyed all all that in theaters, but second time was it was it was rough.
1: Yeah. Yeah I can see that. I mean the first time you go to see it, you're probably just like, okay, I don't know what to expect. But then the second time, you do know, and you know, you're know you you're looking for things that you didn't see before. And in this case, those things that you didn't see before are not necessarily little tidbits that you want to pick up. It's just kind of like you wish it was better the second time around, but that's not what you get.
0: Yeah, and I'm not a movie critic, even though I play one on a podcast. But
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, a second time... Viewing it, I was trying to be a little bit more critical um, with my viewing experience, um, which probably just set myself up for disappointment in that way. Going into a blind movie theater with some friends um, was a blast. Shout out to, to Jesus, about to become my brother in law this weekend. So, yeah, saw the, saw the movie with him, and it was really enjoyable. Like, hanging out in the movie theater if that's what you want to see. Um, if you if you just like going to DC Universe, but, you know, love theater, going to be a little tougher on a critique for the pod.
1: Yeah, so let's try something a little bit different when we're talking about this movie, um, because we were talking about this in the um, in the text group chat before. That uh, it's it's fairly linear. There's not a whole lot of side stories going on. Um, You have this group of anti-heroes that are formed together by um, Special Agent Amanda Waller, um, played by the wonderful Viola Davis. Um, The death of Superman is the catalyst for starting the Suicide Squad because Amanda Waller rationalizes this task force as, we need something to help defend us now. Superman is not around, um, and Batman is probably... More seen as a street-level vigilante at this point, not a, you know, international hero as he was depicted in Batman vs Superman. Um, basically, what they get called in to do is to take down what they think is a terrorist attack within Midway City, um, which is a new environment for us in the DC Universe, um, home to a hot girl and Hawkman who we haven't seen in. Chances are we aren't going to see right away, maybe, maybe a couple years down the road, but they're not important characters. Um, This terrorist attack is actually Enchantress and her ancient brother messing shit up. They're building some sort of machine, which they don't really elaborate on. Um, The Suicide Squad has to save a particular person that they think is very important, but guess what? It's just... Amanda Waller, pretty much using this task force to save herself. Um, at the end of the day, they just decide to um, defeat Enchantress and, you know, save the world, as Deadshot would say. Um, so going through, I mean, I wrote notes, Acts 1, 2, and 3. Do um, you have any main points that you want to hit for the first act? Oh, for the first
0: act, uh, I really um, enjoyed getting to meet like like Deadshot. Um, I, I guess I like those little branching off stories. Um, like I kind of mentioned it with their their stats. I don't really know what to describe that breakaway screen uh, or a cutback to Suicide Squad. Blake on the actor's name, but the guy who played the, the prison guard, the kind of asshole prison guard at the beginning, like I Karen enjoyed Holt's... him as a character, I was kind of hoping we were going to bring him back at a later time, Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of what I wanted to mention, a shout out to the, the small role played there, uh, played it well, um, but yeah, I think you covered it, um, let's, let's jump into it.
1: Um, who has the best intro for you? When they're when they're introducing the squad best intro
0: when they're introducing the squad um, I mean I I, I like that shot just I felt more of a tie into his personal life but uh, I would have loved a little more al Diablo uh, in his introduction because he's kind of like built up as this this badass, and we get to see the video of him in in prison. And um, I would love a little more, a little more cutbacks to him. Um, he might have been the most badass, kind of bigger than life character in the film. So a little, a little more of the LDop and for me, please.
1: Yeah, I would say my my favorite intro. This is probably a little bit too easy to call, but I like the Harley Quinn intro. Um, Basically, when we first see her, we get some really twisted, like messed up depictions of prisoner abuse. And um, I mean, she's getting like force fed and uh, electrocuted, things like that. It's real like psychological mind game. And um, I mean, we do get a little bit of a story of her and joker how she became to be harley quinn from being a psychiatrist but um i thought when she was actually at bella reeve the whole uh you know in interior of the prison sequence and i thought that was kind of a a message on what might actually happen to these people with, that are locked you know behind bars if they're super villains and Ike Barinholtz, that's that's another big one. I, I like Ike Barinholtz, and you're right, I wish he was in um, more of the movie. I actually have it written down that they they misuse Ike a little bit here because they they have him like two-thirds of the way into the movie, and then he's just gone. Yeah, I would have
0: liked a little wrap-up with him at the end. Um, but he, he dominates that intro to me like bouncing around. I thought he was going to be a major player um, kind of throughout almost as like a an anti-hero in a way, kind of like this asshole that's always popping up and, and just kind of being in the uh, the way of the suicide squad a little bit.
1: Um, yeah.
0: But I also, just the, the scene with uh, Deadshot showing off his shooting skills, I don't know if you're including that in the opening or not. Yes, um,
1: that's my candidate for best scene of the movie.
0: But yeah, I was going to say, that's my, my favorite scene of that first half before we start getting into the actual the, the deeper plot of, of what they're going to battle um, I love that scene um, I, I think I'm just all on board for anything Deadshot oh, I would sign up for so many Deadshot off movies um, or his own series I guess um, Hook it up Netflix
1: Yeah alright, um, Will Smith is already doing a little something for Netflix right now they might as well dive into the DC world but I have two best-seen candidates, and they both include Deadshot. Like, the first one is right here in the first act, where he is um, testing out all the weapons, and you have, you know, black skinhead by Kanye West in the background, and he's <laughs> yeah. showing off his true skill. I mean, we get a little bit of that in the in the intro, you know, when he's in Gotham and he's blackmailing the the person that he's supposed to kill a Mark for, but this is really when you get to see, you know, what sort of um, arsenal that he has. And Will Smith did a lot of preparation for the movie, too, training with different weapons and loading, reloading, that sort of thing. So, yeah, definitely agreed. Guys, nice. I don't think it's a mistake, either, that Will Smith
0: kind of dominates with the best scenes. Like, he, he's probably the best actor in the film, right? Uh, and... and I think that shot's actually a really great character for him, kind of that that dad figure separated from his daughter. Um, he plays he plays a really good father figure uh, with a lot of, of extracurriculars going on, um, and yeah, you could, could just tell right away he was going to kind of be the leader of that group, um, that group, that Suicide Squad, and carry them in the movie a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It was for me. It's either. Will Smith, Margot Robbie, or um, Viola Davis. Upon second watch, I, man, I really hate Viola Davis's character. Like, in a good way. Like, she's the type of character, she plays it really well, that she just, like, despises this person because she's just, like, a ruthless, like, asshole the entire time. Um, I don't know. Will Smith does a super good job here. Um, one other actor in... That's you know kind of sparingly used in the Ike Barinholtz mode here. We should call this the Ike Barinholtz Award, I think. Um, is David Harbor, um, Mr. Mr. Sheriff from Stranger Things? He plays one of the one of the agents that's you know talking to Viola Davis, asking her about this task force, that sort of thing. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I hope they bought David Harbor stock, or they like signed him to a multi-picture deal to show up. Um, kind of an uh, Agent Coulson type of role from Marvel. Because, I mean, that, okay. dude's, that dude's acting chops and stock is just going through the roof right now. Like, people want to have him. So I'm like, I, I hope DC did the right thing and they signed this guy to a long-term deal.
0: That would be nice. Um, I, I'd love I'd go to David Harper and get... Um, I would have liked... Oh,
1: you're breaking up a little bit, Quinn. Oh, oh no. You want to... <laughs> It's all right. We'll cut this. Um, you want to repeat that?
0: Yeah, sure. I think this Wi-Fi over here is not the greatest, um, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's all right. You got this. It's going to be an
0: editing editing nightmare over there. Sorry about that. What? Uh, let me just jump back into it.
1: Um, no, just just repeat whatever you were saying before. David sure.
0: Uh, yeah, I think David Harbour, a little extra Dexter Tolliver. Um, I, I would appreciate that. Um, even a little more scenes with him and, and Amanda Waller to kind of figure out what their their motives are for each their characters, maybe a little conflict between them throughout the film. Uh, I think we could have set their trajectories up uh for for bigger things maybe miss the mark but i always appreciate a little extra screen time for
1: for dexter yeah i always like i mean you obviously have your stars but i always like having the the mid-level actors that kind of round out the cast but are still um excellent in their own right you know just doing the The right things to fill out the roster basically, coming off the bench, putting in some good minutes. Um, At this point in the movie, though, we have this squad set up. So it's Deadshot, Harley Quinn, um, Killer Croc, Captain Boomerang, Slipknot, um, I guess, kind of Katana. She's not really a bad guy, though, but she's, I guess, she's one of the heroes, though, apparently. When did she show up by the way? She shows up when they're heading on their way into Midway City on the chopper. Like she just kind of shows up there and we get this weird, you know, flashback to when she's in Japan that kind of explains, you know, what her abilities are, but it's they do a better job of it in the show Arrow on CW of ex- of introducing Katana as a hero and what her like ability is. I mean, she has this sword that Pretty much absorbs the souls of anybody she kills. Um, her husband was killed with this sword. There was like a a lovers' quarrel with some other dude. It it's confusing. They don't touch on it. They don't really need to in this movie, though.
0: Yeah, I either wish that they went all in on it or just left her out.
1: Um, yeah, she's kind of her unnecessary.
0: Soul. Like, the sword story is, is great, but it kind of led to a really weird scene later in the film where she kind of breaks down crying before the big battle, and I was just, like, kind of thrown off by the Like, what the fuck is happening right
1: now? <laughs>
0: ...her in the storyline. Yeah, like, we're getting hyped up for this big battle. I Like, I understand it from her character-building perspective um, that she's got a lot of uh, emotional pain wrapped up, and maybe this is a chance for her to be reacquainted with her husband in the afterlife. Um, But I don't really, we didn't really gain anything from her character. Um, And they kind of did her a disservice, in my opinion, uh, throwing her into the mix.
1: Yeah. I mean, she adds a good amount of diversity, which I mean, this is one thing the film doesn't get credit for is it's a super diverse cast. But, I mean, if you don't see her in any other DC movie, is anybody going to remember or, you know, be sitting there in Justice League Part 2 and be like, hey, remember Katana from Suicide Squad? That, that's just not going to happen. Um, oh, one thing I forgot to ask you, and this is a kind of a big part of the first act when we're getting introduced to Dr. June Moon and how she's the Enchantress, but the Enchantress takes over her body, that sort of thing. So they, they ship together, uh, Rick Flag and Doctor Moon. Like they're a romantic relationship. Are you are you in on this relationship or is it, is it something that's just kind of there? I don't know. Um, I don't know how to describe it.
0: I I wasn't into it. I. I understand it in the storyline part, but I wasn't feeling it between uh, a Rick flag and and professor moon in the movie. Uh, it it makes the plot certainly a lot more interesting. Um, but all the way to the end, like it didn't seem like Rick flag was too tore up that he was going to have to maybe have the choice of killing his love interest or, or not. Um, They could have played that way way more up, in my opinion, and, and I would have liked to see a little bit more of an emo uh, red Flag, but
1: didn't quite get that. Angry Rick Flag. I thought it was completely unnecessary. I like the beginning of it, yeah, it's kind of sweet, and Amanda Waller was expecting them to fall for each other. It might explain a little bit about how they were able to keep the Enchantress under wraps for so long. Because, um, I mean, if, if it was that easy for her to you know, go and disappear and get her brother and disappear from the bomb, that sort of thing. Oh, clothes are done in the dryer. <laughs> um, I just thought it was completely unnecessary because it the relationship does kind of explain um, flags motivations for, um, you know, getting the job done, that sort of thing. But he also... In the film, as part of his character, makes a pretty big deal, especially to Deadshot, about being a soldier and being like a a true fighter that runs into the battle. So I think I thought that would have been a little bit better for his character. Like it would have made him a little bit more Captain America and a little less, you know, driven by a romantic bond that we didn't really get to see develop and that we were actually invested in. Like, if there was a, a movie before this and they were actually in a long-term relationship and we saw that, then sure, maybe. But I was more invested in, like, the Joker and Harley Quinn relationship instead. Yeah. No, that was more intriguing to me. The,
0: the Joker-Harley Quinn relationship kind of blew it away. Because um,
1: it's, it's so messed up. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, you've got the Joker who will do anything for Harley Quinn. Um and then you've got this. See, I don't even think we got. Where are they are.
1: Oh, you're breaking up oh, again, Quinn. I
0: don't do anything. Gosh, damn it. Oh,
1: man. It's <laughs> alright. We got it back now.
0: Alright. I'm trying to think of a different way to do this. If I can hardwire in somewhere.
1: Oh, it's all good. Let's just keep going.
0: I mean, like, you're going to have to edit.
1: <laughs> it's okay.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, um, yeah, I think I totally agree with you that the Joker-Holly Quinn relationship is way more intriguing than the June-Moon-and-Flag relationship. Like, you see the Joker doing anything, he's going to break into prison's gonna steal how come like he's gonna do all kinds of things for for Harley and, and flag doesn't seem like he ever really has to make a tough choice or be so unconditionally in love with this person um, crushing the heart at the end of the film jumping way ahead wasn't a, a that big of a deal um, like he could have had some some bigger heart to hearts with Dead shot about his relationship with Jim Moon, but instead he references that like when they're talking about the binder, did you get to the part in the binder where it said I'm sleeping with her? Like, oh, you're really in love with this woman,
1: huh? <laughs> right. Um, so are we are we mad or are we okay with Adam Beach who plays Slipknot getting like two or three lines of dialogue and then getting his head blown off?
0: I'm okay with it, um, but only because it's a, a callback to the comics. I, I read this earlier. It's, it's a callback to the comics in that uh, Boomerang sets up slip, Slipknot in one of the comics. I don't remember the number. Um, but they have, instead of like, implants into their neck that explode, they had uh, like straps on their arms that explode. Uh, and, and Boomerang, for selfish reasons... Convince Slipknot to run away to see if they were real. Uh, And Slipknot's arm gets blown off in the comics. So it's a callback to that moment. So I'm okay with it. Before I read that, I was a little mad. Because at first, like, when they're assembling and they're all getting on their outfits, I was like, oh, man, there's all these people. Like, there's the Suicide Squad is huge. It's going to be impossible to develop all these characters in a a two-hour movie. Um, And then they just kill them off immediately. Um, so if you understand the callback, it's kind of a cool little little shout-out to it, but it, it kind of entirely laced with just throwing it in there for that callback instead of throwing it in there as a character to, to push the storyline of the plot a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, he's definitely cannon fodder in this case. Um, just kind of there to demonstrate that these chips that they have within them Little tiny grenades are actually real and active, and that's their motivation. There is also supposed to be some implication, maybe it's in the comics, or maybe it was from my reading, maybe it was cut out of the movie. There is supposed to be some, like, some hinting or nudging to the fact that Slipknot is, like, a serial rapist. And I mean, that kind of just. Does not really make you feel bad for him in any way, so I'm. I don't know. Maybe if the, it wasn't Adam Beach, kind of would have liked to see a little bit more of him, like an actor of his talents being utilized in a better way. But I mean, it is what it is. Um, act two, though. Uh, this is really where. Um, I think Will Smith kind of hits his stride in the movie because he has just amazing film chemistry with Margot Robbie. Um, they have a lot of interaction within this part. And then towards the end of the movie, a little bit as well, um, what do you think of like the whole Deadshot, Harley Quinn interaction? And just... Will Smith and Margot Robbie as a whole because if you've seen Focus then you know that they they play off of each other really well I have not seen Focus
0: um but I I was into it like
1: oh did you break up or important part of the (laughs)
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm just gonna keep going.
1: <laughs> all right, it paused. Um, I, I don't know if you were. I didn't know if you were thinking or if it stopped.
0: All right, it probably stopped. I was. I was about to break down some. Some of what I would have liked to see a little more, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm gonna just keep going.
1: Yeah, go ahead. All right. Yeah. So
0: I, I'm here for the the Margot Robbie, Will Smith, Harley Quinn, Dead show. Uh uh, relationship with Suicide Squad, uh, I think they carry that squad for a viewer as my interest in the squad and their success. Their relationship makes me like the Suicide Squad on a whole other level than just these together. Like I actually care about them as people um, care about their lives outside of the Suicide Squad and they're the only family in the Suicide Squad that I really actually thought was okay, these people are connected with each other and are a family, are uh, in it together.
1: Uh, El Diablo makes them his family. Oh my God. I didn't feel it in
0: the same way um, El says she's with, so with just Robbie and Smith.
1: Yeah, you should watch Focus, though. I think Focus is a pretty good movie just because those two, the way they can play off of one another, I think they should get like a... A regular thing going of those two being in movies together, like Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. I'll watch any movie with those two in it, and I'll watch any movie with Will Smith and Margot Robbie in it right now.
0: All right, sign it up. Get a. What do you think? Uh, What's that? An escape movie. You gotta sell me on a plot. Let's uh, let's hear what you got for for Will Smith and
1: Margot Robbie. Well, Focus is. They're pretty much just these Ocean's Eleven types, like these highly trained thieves, basically. Uh, some degenerate gambling in that movie as well. Um, for some reason, I'm not seeing a rom com. I think they should do, like, a Mr. and Mrs. Smith type of movie um, with Angelina and. Brad Pitt. I actually, I think Will Smith was actually up for the Brad Pitt role in that movie. Anyway, they should just do it. Put Margot Robbie in there. And, uh, do a, do another style movie like that. Those those always strike a chord with me. I don't mind them. That's All my right, pitch. That's
0: fair. That's fair. I uh, I would have actually liked them. I don't know if you've seen the movie Keeping Up with the Joneses with Gabby Dellon and John Hamm.
1: Yes. <laughs> see, I could
0: see them playing that that relationship where they're both, um, these, these agents living in the burbs and taking care of some shit out in the burbs and yet being a, just an awesome couple at the same time.
1: True. True. Only I would, in that case, I would not have, um, the two Isla Fisher and Zach Galifianakis as the two central portions. They should just bring back Kevin James and just reunite them from pitch <laughs> in the Zach Galifianakis role. And I, I don't know who could play the Isla Fisher role. I guess she could stay there. Whatever. I, I want to see Kevin James and Will Smith share some screen time again, though.
0: You're on a Kevin James kick today, I see.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> That's because he's the king of queens, okay? Hey,
0: you've been watching a lot of daytime TV or, or Paul Blart Mark, Mall Cop?
1: I've actually never seen Paul Blart. Uh, I have not either. Not either uh, one of those. About
0: zoo, Zookeeper?
1: I can't say I've seen that either. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I haven't seen a lot of Kevin James movies. Um, but yeah, I can get behind that. I enjoyed uh, <laughs> I enjoyed The King of Queens.
1: <laughs> what do you think of... Um, well, this was my one of my best-seen moments, is Deadshot shooting all those weird... Um, cronies with all the eyes all over their heads. He goes on like a 27-person kill streak and that, that's how he cuts and runs Flag, okay? That's how he cuts and runs. What did you think of that scene?
0: Um, I mean, anything that Shot does in this movie was captivating for me. He dominated it. Like, that scene was fantastic. The scene near the end where Harley Quinn is escaping and he misses the shot, like, he plays that drum up there, he plays up the, I'm just gonna take over and, and go on this freak and, and save everyone, and he just does some Will Smith taking it over the top, and it, it works perfectly for the Deadshot character, and that's why I'm I'm all in on, on a Deadshot series played by Will Smith.
1: Yeah, he's the only Suicide Squad member, too. I, this feels like just a a deadshot jerk-off pod, but, um, he's the only, like, true prisoner that has some motivation for getting out of jail. Like, Diablo literally wants to stay in jail, um, because he thinks he's a menace to society. Boomerang, he's, nobody knows what his motivations are besides to go steal shit, I bet. Um, Even
0: the Enchantress did not know what his motivations were.
1: (laughs) Right? He didn't get a a scene (laughs) depicting his desires. Who knows? He probably just wanted more random beers that he somehow kept on finding throughout the movie. That (laughs) I'll never understand.
0: (laughs) And maybe, like, a unicorn in there somewhere, too.
1: Yeah, see, the pink unicorn, that was dumb. That was really stupid. That was, like, a for-the-kids type of humor. I thought it was really stupid though. Um, but yeah, that, he had like a true motivation. He had a daughter to get back to. Harley Quinn wanted to get out cuz she wanted to essentially do more crimes with the Joker. But like Deadshot actually has a a motivation that you can empathize with. So he didn't seem like as terrible. Um he definitely wants to kill the bat, though, so that's, that's what one of his motivations is, too. Um, oh, so going into Act 3, um, essentially they just have this big battle. Um, Diablo turns into this giant spiritual fire creature to battle Enchantress's brother. Diablo all of a sudden calls them a family. Um, He doesn't want to lose another family, which is probably right up there in the cheesiest lines of the DCEU that we've encountered so far. I don't think... That line actually made me hate Diablo. I thought it was super corny, (laughs) and I didn't want any... I'm like, okay, like, whatever you die, I think. He might have died. You never know with these sort of things, but... I was okay with it after the fact. I did not, like, get sad I didn't shed a tear. I was like, okay, dude, like, you're going to be that corny. Come on.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I love the character, El Diablo, like, the fact that he has this huge trauma caused by himself um, and is apparently not, has not been a wonderful person in his life. I think that's a really rich character. But they didn't give it enough life for me to really resonate with the family-touching moment at the end and sacrifice. Um, in my opinion, we could have just like gotten rid of Croc, gotten rid of Boomerang, gotten rid of Slipknot, and and built up El Diablo's story a little bit more, built up Deadshot's a little bit more, built up Harley Quinn, the Joker a little bit more and just rolled with a cast of, like, five, and really dug deep into those characters, and, and it might have been a little more moving. Like in Like, in the prior movies with Superman and, and Kevin Costner, like, I felt an emotional connection um, when he was going to die in the tornado. I felt an emotional connection when um, Batman's kind of fighting for his city and, like... Sees Superman as a threat. Uh, in this movie, I I only had a real connection with Deadshot, and I think that's why he he carried this movie even further. Going back to to Will Smith being the love of this podcast right now, um, there just wasn't enough development background for for anybody else in this film.
1: Yeah, um, to kind of draw parallels, I thought that. Um Will Smith and Margot Robbie in this film were essentially the affleck and Godot of um Batman versus Superman. Um That's in that a good they could, they're both two kind of leading people except, you know, Will Smith's just doing what he's supposed to do. He's you know, he's on there dealing, he's being a movie star basically, and um Margot Robbie is just stealing scenes. Like, she's literally taking them out of the hands of the other actors that she's on set with and hoarding them for herself. And she absolutely delivers, which is why people want a separate Harley movie. And, like, Margot Robbie's IMDb has um, Gotham City Sirens, which is going to be a separate um, a separate Harley Quinn movie with some more um, notorious... Uh, DC female villains, and then there's possibly a Joker Harley Quinn spinoff, and um, she'll be back for Suicide Squad too. Like this is the Harley Quinn was essentially Wonder Woman in a different in a different light. Like people want more of that character, so they're definitely going to get it. I like it, and I'm fully behind
0: that. You're right about their relationship. That, that that drove the Suicide Squad plot for me. Um, keep it up. I'd like to see them reprise their roles in, in the Suicide Squad 2 and cut out all the other stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we didn't even talk about Killer Croc that much, but he ha- he says like two lines in the entire movie too, um, which is it's kind of a shame because there's some good villains that they have. I mean, hopefully we get to see maybe some different stories with them later. Like I, I don't think captain Boomerang's a bad villain. Um, at least not in the comics or in other depictions of him. And he might be a, a point in the flashpoint movie that they're making, but I don't know. Who knows? I like Jay Courtney, so I'm in on him.
0: Yeah. I I like, that actor. I like the character itself. But uh, again, I just didn't feel connected to any of the background story. And, and I think Flashpoint will have him and I think it'll it'll be a nice development. And I'll be singing a different tune on Boomerang for that film. Um, sticking to Suicide Squad. Is he just there to introduce Flash? I, th- I think so. And that kind of does a disservice. Um, just throw him in a trailer three years in advance instead and let me get hyped for, for Flashpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't need The Flash to be in Suicide Squad to get me super excited to see The Flash on the big screen. <laughs> I, I just yeah, don't... absolutely. Um, let's talk some post-pod stuff, though. Um, so some of the stuff after the movie, because I mean, they they save the day, but at the end, they're back in prison. Um, this time, Boomerang's locked up in Bella Reeve 2. Um, Deadshot gets to see his daughter, help her with some math homework, espresso machine for Harley Quinn before the Joker breaks her out, which could lead into Gotham City Sirens or what the Harley Joker spinoff that we could possibly see, which I hope we do definitely get the Harley Joker spinoff because I need to see more of Jared Leto's Joker, because um, he was like grossly underutilized. Um, right up there with Ike Barinholtz being underutilized as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, different different level of character, but same underutilization. Um, and and David Ayer actually tweeted about this. Um, director of, of Suicide Squad tweeted about this earlier in two thousand seventeen, and and mentions that if he had to redo it, he'd make the Joker the villain. Um, and I'm actually all on board. Like. Let that be Suicide Squad. And I'll go see that in theaters and then have a blast watching it again. The Enchantress and her brother being the villains of this film was almost like a little too much for me. A little like, there's no way the Suicide Squad's actually going to beat them. It seemed a little unrealistic. Yeah. But if you built in the Joker as that villain maybe build up that relationship a little bit more for Harley Quinn and the Joker, I think you've just got a completely different movie and honestly just a completely different level of rewatchability to in- incorporate the Joker more. You can't really go wrong with, with a little more Jared Leto um, in Suicide's
1: yeah I was gonna bring that point up too, because he yeah he did state that he would have made it a little bit more of a grounded movie, which I think they would have it would have been great if they didn't deal with like the supernatural essentially um none of them are on the i mean except maybe Diablo with super like fire abilities, none of them are really on that level of strength and ability um they all have you know fairly normal bad guy skill sets that you could probably plop into any other movie. You know, Master Sniper, um, Crazy Lady with a Bat. It's it's something that you could put in any movie. Um, but that's what... I, I thought the Joker was going to be the main villain. I remember thinking that when I first saw the um, first cut of the trailer that they released in at Comic-Con, um, like a year before the movie came out, Which, if you haven't seen the original, like, San Diego Comic-Con trailer for Suicide Squad, you should go back and watch it, because that's, like, that's the intro to the movie that I thought we were going to get, and it, I was excited, like, I still would go back and watch that trailer and get super excited for it, not the trailers that we get after the fact with bohemian rhapsody and it's just colorful and bright and they'd like guardians of the galaxy if i did and yeah, i wonder if that had an impact like got guardians of the galaxy's success if
0: that impacted the way they marketed suicide squad and, and adjusted their story a little bit but if they did adjust it because um, it, it did have that vibe of we're gonna make this the the ragtag villain version of Guardians of the Galaxy to to compete with that in the box office and and maybe I built that up in my head too that it was gonna be more similar to that and more kind of clever jokes and um, unicorns dropping out of coats and um, it, it yeah. wasn't quite the proper mix uh, of comedy and, and plot or just. One or the other, even.
1: Yeah, well, um, per my notes, um, Trailer Park Inc. was a company that made uh, one of the trailers. I think it's the one with the Bohemian Rhapsody, and they essentially add all these colors and make it more psychedelic, and that tested really positively for um, test audiences and focus groups or whatever. So they essentially gave trailer park inc a cut of the movie to edit and to kind of make um changes they got a shot at making a cut of the movie basically and what you essentially get in the final is elements from both david ayers movie and from what trailer park inc cut together so that's i mean that's essentially why the this movie just feels so disjointed because it's it's really two different movies that they kind of just smash together and it's kind of a a colorful incoherent mess where the beginning of it is super good and you're really diving in and then all of a sudden it just kind of I don't know it definitely feels like two different movies
0: yeah I get that vibe quite a bit they were fighting between two two worlds of where they can take the Suicide Squad
1: Yeah, Yeah. Um, one thing, too, though, Academy Award winner Suicide Squad, because they did win the Oscar this past year for Best Hair and Makeup. I
0: did see that, and right away, I was, like, <laughs>
1: disgusted
0: by it. But then I, I, so I, I sat down and looked at the characters, and, you know, Croc's makeup is pretty damn good al diavolo's got all the tattoos um harley quinn's is fantastic i can win an oscar good for you feel feel good about yourself
1: i mean yeah um i always butcher this guy's name um adewale Akinye, uh who plays killer croc um I think the amount of time he had to spend in the makeup chair was like five hours um, just to apply all the prosthetics and body paint and all that. Um, the Joker has some pretty good makeup as well. I like that they actually made him a little bit more like modern uh, gangster type of Joker rather than the, the homeless Heath Ledger type of Joker that we saw in the Uh, The last iteration of him. Um, Jared Leto shaved his eyebrows for the role as well. uh, To look a little bit more psycho. And in that flashback scene where Harley Quinn is having like this this fever dream of the two kids and the life with the Joker. But it's Jared Leto that's normal. um, They had to put on fake eyebrows on Jared Leto. So I don't know if you noticed why his face looks so weird in that part but yeah fake eyebrows
0: his his joker creeps me out it, it definitely gives me the heebie-jeebies
1: oh yeah i wanted more of the joker but he i think he might only have like 16 whole minutes of screen time in the entire movie which is kind of a, a travesty i mean it's okay because The silver lining is you can't really compare it to Heath Ledger's Joker um, and determine whose is better, because I think that's just a bad argument because you can't really argue the two. It's apples and oranges to me, um, but also just under under utilization. They didn't give him enough minutes.
0: With you on that, I'd like to see more Joker and and Johnny Frost. I thought that was... Nice little henchman move there, pulling him in from kind of a badass combo that probably could have run the movie if they, they got a little more screen time. Um, I, I do hope that we get a, a future, or maybe a, a throwback with the Joker, Harley Quinn, and and Johnny Frost, and then maybe a, a Batman battle in there.
1: Yeah, you brought up, well um, actually we both brought up Guardians of the Galaxy before, I think what makes, part of what makes Guardians of the Galaxy so great is because they have this great like nostalgic soundtrack within the movie itself. But I thought Suicide Squad had some pretty good songs in the movie. Um, I was jamming out. I mean, they have Purple Lamborghini, which is just always 100% on my workout playlist. Uh, you Don't Own Me, when they're introducing Harley. Uh, Spirit in the Sky, Black Skinhead without me by Eminem. We got some credence Clearwater revival in there as well. Always a good time when, when that, it reminds me of like, remember the Titans basically. Um, I like the movies in the song. I like the soundtrack and I like the songs that were made revolving around this, like uh, sucker for pain. And they got 21 pilots at the right time. Cause they were still popular right away at that time to do heathens. Um, I thought that was that was great that they were able to do that for this movie, considering, I mean the never to besmirch the great Hans Zimmer, but I, I thought it was cool that they they did that for this movie.
0: Yeah, the soundtrack for it fits really well. I don't think you could have Hans Zimmer in the Suicide Squad.
1: <laughs> it would be super um, serious in that case.
0: Yeah, it would be. I don't know a morbid excitement and I don't know I don't know some good some good words to describe what it could have been that way but the music selection for Suicide Squad was 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 on point throughout and I think that's why the movie viewing experience in theater was was really good like that's around silent theaters uh, versus watching on my iPad um yeah it was it was top-notch
1: uh, before we get into the casting choices, because there are a lot, and what could have what could have been for this movie, uh, let's take it all the way back to Act One, because I think this is a really good uh, get the team together type of montage that you see in a whole bunch of movies. I asked you before the pod to rank your top five getting the team together montages. I actually included Suicide Squad in my top five, so. Do you have that list prepared? Uh, I I I'm
0: doing this from memory uh, for my my list.
1: Oh, even better, off the cuff.
0: Yes, off the cuff. I got some good thoughts. Do you want me to start, or you want to start?
1: Yeah, dive in.
0: Alright, I'm gonna dive in. One of my favorite movies to watch on, on WGN back in the day, you pull a little Chicago TV, uh, was the replacements, used to be on all the time.
1: <laughs> <Clutch>. <laughs> uh, I
0: love uh, I love when they rally <laughs> when they they rally together around Keanu Reeves. Um like, I think all, all five of mine. I'm just realizing they're they're mostly, um, maybe you met me for to do this, but they're all sport movies and mostly football. Um, I just love The replacements so, and the, and that story storyline. Uh, that's my my top tier sports movie team pulling together to to win out the the games and prove that the take a man.
1: Um, I actually don't have any sports movies on mine. Um,
0: that'll that'll be a good mix from from mine then.
1: Well, what else do you have? Any others?
0: Uh, yes. Remember the Titans? Um, can't go wrong there. CCR. Um, yes, sir. Uh, I've got Dodgeball. Um, <laughs> is a. Is, an, is another team rallying together, um, and, and then I, I I went with Creed uh, actually, um, and maybe because I, I saw it again recently, um, but but Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone rallying together, um, I, I love a good fight montage getting getting work out in... I don't know if it, that counts as a team.
1: I mean, he, he had to you. do some pretty good convincing to get Rocky to to train him, so... That's that's getting the team together.
0: All right. And then my last one is
1: Space Jam. Space Jam. I was going to put that <laughs> on my list, too. I thought that was great. We're talking Monstars getting the team together, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's a great... <laughs> sequence I can't believe that, that movie is only like 70 minutes long too but there's there's so much that happens um, So for my top five getting the team together montages um, from the bottom up number five I have X-Men first class specifically for the the Logan cameo where Magneto and Professor Xavier go into the bar and he just tells them to fuck off. That's, that's why, right there, number five. Um, suicide Squad, I have at number four. Uh, number three, I have the Italian job because um, there's nothing like pulling together um, Seth Green and most death to join you in a heist. <laughs> um, Ocean's 11. You know, it's it's another uh, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, talking about what sort of team members they got to bring together. Best for last, Matt Damon, of course, to that team. Um, and then number one, another Gal Gadot great, Fast Five. Um, All right.
0: I-, I was wondering how many Fast and Furious movies we're going to make the cut for
1: you. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not uh, one through five, to be honest. But no, Fast Five is... What this montage is not only just a get the team together montage. It's a hey, this is the this is the setup for like the next ten years of this franchise that is going to gross millions upon millions of dollars. And this montage is essentially getting that team together, and it's a starting off point. Um, nice, I like it. Get the team together montages. All mine are essentially heist movies. <laughs> minor sports movies gotta, gotta go with what you know um, so one thing as the credits were rolling here's a question for you which is the worst production credit Steve Manukin or Rat Pack Dune Entertainment who is essentially led by or a part of Rat Pack Entertainment is Brett Ratner so, what is the worst production credit out of those two? Um,
0: man, if I if I've got to choose,
1: <laughs> it's a double. I'm gonna sword. go Steve
0: Mnuchin, because uh, um, it's just like completely random, right? Like a little bit. I guess I maybe I don't know that much about his his career, um, but at least like. Brett Ratner is, like, a film producer, right? Steve Mnuchin's that that guy that's <laughs> trying to watch the...
1: I mean, I don't think he's exactly... He's not exactly hands-on. I don't think Steve Mnuchin's, like, sitting there on sets and making sure no, everything no. goes. He, he's an EP most of the time.
0: Like, when I see his name come through, I'm like, is that the same? Is that... Well, I think it is.
1: Yes. It is one and the same.
0: I don't get that when I see Brett Ratner, it's just like, movie producer. When I see Steve Nukin's name, it's like, what? Are you serious?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Brett Ratner, because so far, I don't think Nukin has been competent enough in his (laughs) secretary role to actually do enough damage. Whereas Brett Ratner, I feel like the... I mean, he just looks like a douchebag. Like, all these sexual assault allegations that are coming out against him now, it's just one of those things where you see him and you're like, okay, yeah, I I believe that. He definitely looks like he's super inappropriate with women all the time. Like, 100%. Um, Especially after that Ellen Page... Um, Facebook posts that she she talked about Brett Ratner and uh, another superhero mo- movie when they were doing um, X-Men 3, X3 the last Stand. Um, pretty dark shit.
0: Yes, it is. It's, it's dark times in the movie world and <laughs> it might be dark times and Stephen you can hear it soon as well. Um, both are scumbags.
1: Yeah, can we do? And, can we get rid of both? How about that? I'm on. Take their names out. Um, let's get to something a little bit more fun. I like doing this every time we talk about movies. The casting corner. Time to talk about what could have been. Um, so I have six different characters from the movie. A laundry list of different actors that could have been. Let's start with the shorter options first. Um, so, for Rick Flagg, originally it was supposed to be um Tom Hardy. He had to drop out though because he was filming the Revenant. so he was the initial top choice another good call by him yeah, probably uh, who knows it could have been better with him in the movie um no shots at Joel Kinnaman, who um is is good he's he's a good actor, I guess I have no complaints about joel um and then Jake Gyllenhaal. I read that he was offered the role, but he turned it down because he does not want to. He did not want to play the role.
0: I think he would have been a better Joker.
1: <laughs> um. Actually, I think. Oh no, I don't have him written down for Joker. Um, yeah, and so Joel Kinnaman, Tom Hardy, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, do we stay with the, the with the Joel in the role? Or would you like to see Hardy or Gyllenhaal make a run at it?
0: Uh, I would love to see Hardy absolutely make a run at it. Um, he, he, you're right, he would have taken it up another level. I, I think I would have been more interested in his love story. and uh, Maybe seeing a little bit more of him in action with Professor Moon. Um, maybe they've got a little, little nice backstory of, of doing some archaeological digs. And maybe this time she doesn't break the head on, off of something and, and then just tran- to come out. But uh, I'm all for, for Tom Hardy.
1: Yeah, I would have liked to see... How about you? See, Tom Hardy, if he was in the role, I would have been in on seeing him in future movies. With Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flag, I'm kind of like, if he shows up again, okay, cool. But if not, not really missing a beat. Um, and I also like poking fun at Joel Kinnaman's uh, American accent uh, whether it's in this movie or House of Cards I just kind of like picking on it don't know why Yeah,
0: for for me he just continued from his, his time at war with the Suicide Squad right into running for office just the perfect trajectory
1: there you go <laughs> well see by, by that logic then they could have taken Jake Gyllenhaal from Jarhead and he just <laughs> became the leader of the Suicide Squad you know just Is a promotion, the, probably, or, or... Going up the ranks? I don't know, because he kind of seems like a glorified babysitter. Might be a demotion. <laughs> <laughs> um, he so, got in trouble, and now he has to run the Suicide Squad. But he also gets a multi-picture deal, which... I mean, I'm, al- I'm always wanting to see more Jake Gyllenhaal. But um, one of the tougher casting, obviously, because the... Late, great Heath Ledger won a posthumous Oscar for the Joker. Um, casting, not a replacement, but somebody to take up the character's mantle was something that pretty difficult. Um, I thought Jared Leto did a pretty good job um, of immersing himself in the role. It's a shame that a lot of the Joker scenes were cut. Um, other options for the role, though, were Ryan Gosling, who turned it down. Charlotte Copley, who you'll remember from, like, the A-team and uh, District 13, I think. I believe it's District 13. Um, and Matt Smith, who played one of the Doctor Who doctors. Um, any any thoughts on those three prospects, or could you have seen somebody else possibly in the role? Uh, I
0: think Ryan Costin would definitely have been interesting. I Actually, I really, really love Jared Leto. And I, I do sincerely, sincerely hope we get to see more of him in the role of the Joker. Um, I was excited to see him as the Joker, absolutely watching previews, trailers. Um, he would have been my guy out of anybody. Uh, if I wanted to, to mix it up, um, I maybe would have gone Crispin
1: Glover. Ugh, creepy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah,
0: absolutely creepy. Uh, I think he might have had a little bit of, of the the crazy, <laughs> the craziness needed to play the Joker role, but it, it might have almost hinged a little too much towards Heath Ledger's uh, psychotic Joker, and and Leto plays it a little bit more. I uh, certainly psychotic, but like like you mentioned earlier, a little bit more of the gangster type role. Um, I, I would. Would like to see them take the Joker more that direction to to give it some new flavor.
1: Yeah, I mean to me I would have kept I'm gonna keep Jared Leto. I'm not going with any other casting. To me I feel like he's the the rookie QB that finally got put in as the starter after like a week eleven bye. Just not enough (laughs) not enough in game reps, didn't see enough of him making real plays to really get a good idea of what his Joker can and will be, so I'm staying Jared staying Leto until further notice. Same. Um, so, Amanda Waller, next on the list, uh, cast as the great Viola Davis, who um, is almost always in contention for an Oscar, but there are some other um, actresses you might notice they two have something in common with Viola Davis for this role, Amanda Waller. We're going Oprah, Carrie Washington, or Octavia Spencer.
0: Sign me up for, for all of them. Um, I, I know what you mean, they all have something in common. Um, but I think that's how Amanda Waller's depicted in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a, as a powerful African-American woman, and I, I think those are all really good choice. I feel like every single African-American female actress is a, a strong, powerful woman that, that won't take shit from anybody. Um, and I could see all of those being extremely well done. Um, Viola Davis is in a, in a class of her own, so
1: yeah, no complaints. Love Viola Davis. She definitely gives a hell of a performance that you'd want to see again I'm going to throw a different actress into the ring though which I think would have been pretty good too one Taraji P. Henson thoughts? no?
0: I mean I love Cookie Cookie Lion um yeah absolutely that's a really good suggestion I was I was thinking Queen Latifah too <laughs> 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 Maybe make it a little bit more lighthearted, badass, but, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Taraji P. Henson, man.
1: Or even bring in... Um, I'm in on that. Bring in Jada Pinkett, you know? Bring in Will Smith's paramour. Um, <laughs> I, I just feel like, I mean, with Oprah, Kerry Washington, and Octavia Spencer, I can see them projecting strength, but I don't see them projecting the, like, Lack of remorse that is needed for Amanda Waller. Like, Viola Davis, she's... I mean, she's in that that room and she just starts capping people who don't have clearance level to see the Suicide suicide Squad or know what's going on. She gives zero fucks and she just caps all of them. And I I don't see Oprah playing that very well. Um, Kerry Washington, maybe. Octavia Spencer, I mean... She just seems like she's a little too sweet for me. She seems like a really nice lady, so I don't know if I could buy that <laughs> from her. Um, Do you cook, know if, cookie if uh, Taraji
0: was on the, the list of offers, or did they only give it to Viola?
1: Um, I, I don't know. I didn't look that far. I You'd think Viola Davis would just be at the top of the list, and if you can get Viola, then you sign that contract, basically.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. I'm just curious what the implications might have been on, on the hidden figures shout out to all of these movies I'm watching on HBO right now um <laughs> uh, coming out around that, that same time frame if if Taraji would have still been in there um either way uh, both would have been fantastic in that role both are fantastic actresses and badass women
1: yeah agreed definitely agreed um Next, let's talk Deadshot casting. I'm not sure how much weight these names actually had in terms of being tied to the role of Deadshot because it kind of seems like a who's who of just A-list male Hollywood actors, um, if it wasn't Will Smith. Looking at the list, it goes Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Matthew McConaughey, Keanu Reeves, Jason Statham, and Alexander Skarsgård. There are a lot of other names on there, but I wrote down probably the most interesting ones. I don't know if those were just names on a studio wish list or if there was actually conversations that were had, because I doubt Leo was actually up for this role.
0: Yeah, I can't really see him considering it.
1: Unless he's doing a ton of
0: blow in the movie. I mean, I... I... All right, right, I'm in. Sign he
1: needs, me up. he <laughs> needs that vitamin C powder to do takes with.
0: <laughs> just getting all kinds of vitamins. Yeah, that w- it would have been certainly a completely different movie there. I- Will Smith was fantastic. Um, I couldn't see Leo doing it honestly. That that one kind of shocks me that he's on that list.
1: Yeah, I think it's really just a studio wish list, and they. Those are just names that were tossed out, probably. Out of all those, do you have a, a favorite,
0: or are you going to go off of that list for a favorite besides Will Smith? We both professed in love for Will Smith in this, so I'm not going to make you choose him again.
1: Yeah, we talked ad nauseum about Will Smith in this movie, but the only other one I could see really bringing a lot of heat to the character is Jason Statham, just because he's an action star, and and... Just about every movie I've seen him in, he's probably wielded a different gun or weapon at some point, so I can see him just being able to do the same in this movie, basically. Yeah,
0: I can see that. I, uh, I went different from that list here. I, I thought of a, a sad, beat-down, father-figure convict, um, and the one that came to mind was Bruce Willis.
1: Oh, that'd <laughs> been cool.
0: Uh, uh, I could see Bruce Willis being a dead shot, shooting people up and having like one last run. I'm too old for this shit um, moment and, and being a good dead shot, but Jason Statham, he can wield a gun as well.
1: I'd see that. I would definitely be in on Bruce Willis as dead shot. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, uh, next we have Harley Quinn. So this one may or may not have been studio wish list, but I think they all would have been pretty decent choices at least. Um, there was Emma Roberts, who was initially offered the role, but she turned it down to do Scream Queens. Um, Imogen Poots, Allison Brie, love Allison Brie, uh, Rooney yeah. Mara, Olivia Wilde, and Amanda Seyfried. 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 One of the, one of those. Allison <laughs> Brie, I would have loved to see that come to fruition. I I own a lot of Allison Brie stock right now, and I think she's she's on her way to becoming a movie star at some point. Um, Margot Robbie though, she delivers. She's she's like the. We'll get to Wonder Woman casting, I'm sure. Um, can't replace Gal Gadot. I don't think you can replace Margot Robbie in this movie.
0: I'm with you on that. I love me, Margot Robbie, in this film. Um, I, I, nothing, no female really jumped out to me as, as being able to take that role and own it quite like she did. Um, yeah, I don't even have a, a good recommendation.
1: Is Olivia Wilde just perpetually up for every, like, hot female role in Hollywood? Or is it, is her name just something that just shows up on lists randomly? Well, I think she's got a really good publicist. Because <laughs> she's not actually in a lot of popular movies, but her name just keeps on popping up for different roles. So, makes me wonder. Uh...
0: To the publicist on that one, I don't know. She uh, she doesn't really have a, anything that would make me think she'd be a Harley Quinn, but you know she's an actress, so I will leave it uh, to the professionals to decide that.
1: Yeah, um, I mean it would have been interesting if Emma Roberts were actually if she actually accepted the role because she was offered it. Um, I don't know. I think Robbie does would probably do the best. And did do the best job of delivering the comedic lines i think emma roberts could have played crazy but not necessarily like make me laugh as much as uh, margot did in the movie
0: i can see that
1: so lastly finally on the last character here enchantress Um, surprisingly olivia wilde was not up for from the list that I got, but going down the list, we have the fantastic Brie Larson, Megan Fox, Ellen Page, Alicia Vikander, Amelia Clark, uh, the mother of dragons herself, and try not to wet your pants here, Quinn, Swear See (laughs) Roman from Brooklyn, up for the (laughs) roll. Yes, that's who I wanted.
0: That, that, I thought about throwing her out there for um, Harley Quinn, but I, I thought that might be uh, that too much of a here? Uh, the, yeah. I didn't. I didn't want people to think that I only knew one female actress, <laughs> <laughs> so I gave
1: zero recommendation. <laughs> I like. I really like Cara Delevingne. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy some stock in Cara Delevingne too as an actress because I liked her in this and. I actually watched Paper Towns before Suicide Squad when it came out because I wanted to see what sort of actress Cara Delevingne really was and like what's what the hype is around her. But I can see the hype and you should definitely buy some Cara Delevingne stock. Alicia Vikander could have probably brought some of the similar elements. It would have been great to see Emilio Clark just in an actual a Hollywood role that isn't determined.
0: Really? Yeah, I would
1: have. I would. I would have liked Amelia Clark in that. Um, I, I think that they were just going for a brunette actress. It looks like. Um, some surprise you haven't thrown out Zoe Deschanel yet. Uh, she was on the list for Harley Quinn. I didn't write her name down, but because that that was another one where there's just like every actress in the world seemed like they're up for Harley Quinn, and her name was on there. Um, it was on there definitely. Zoe D. I think she would have been too cutesy for Harley. Quinn. I, I just watched too much of the girl. Um, let's see. Oh, and uh, let's move past casting now. There's a lot of other yeah. stuff that we can talk about. Um, the on-screen stats, so we touched base on this a little bit with Batman vs Superman with the Robin costume. The on-screen stats actually say that Harley Quinn when we're introduced to her, that she assisted in the, um, in the killing of Robin, like the torture of him. So we know it is along the, um, the Death in the Family comic storyline of how the Joker tortured the Robin, either to death or to psychosis, who knows. Um, but I thought that was an, an interesting tidbit, and it, when you're watching the movie, it kind of flashes up there a little too fast for you to read it, or at least initially recognize that it's there, but um, that's a little bit of information I found in the deep dive. I
0: hope that leads to a, a movie, um, or was an Easter egg to a movie that we will get at some point for Harley Quinn and the Joker and, and Robin, uh, whoever they end up deciding to send, the cast as Robin.
1: Yeah, in in this case, I would say like um, the death in the family storyline in the comics is to DC what the Civil War um, storyline was for Marvel fans. Like that was one of the, well, maybe that and Planet Hulk are two of the depictions that people wanted to see directly from the comics. Just put it in a movie, you know. Don't even write your own story. Just adapt those comic books. And that's one story that people definitely want to probably see on the big screen pretty soon here.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I have my tickets pre-purchased to see <laughs> uh, a three, three movie arc of a death in the family.
1: Um, so with that being said, I, I wanted to touch base on this, uh, because we've been through three movies so far. We can include Wonder Woman in this, maybe. But, um, as far as the actors and actresses themselves through the three movies that we've seen, who are you buying stock in for future movies? Like, who do you see being like a true breakout? Um, I mean, at this point, Gal Gadot stock is probably super expensive. Um, so is Margot Robbie. Uh, any others that you can see just, just blowing up because of this franchise or, um,
0: I'm going to go with, uh, John Courtney, uh, boomerang. I'm going to buy a penny stock here. Um, Foot those penny I think, I, I think this is a penny stock that's going to go big, uh, Flash, I think, is going to be the Rita launch point for uh, quite a few movies. Maybe he plays some more villains. Maybe he gets to play a, a sharp dressed man in a heist film or um, maybe a, a, a grizzled detective. Or um, I, I could see him in, in many things. I'm going to buy a penny stock right now on, on, on Jai Courtney. I'm not even sure if his name's Jai or, or Jay. I think it's Jay, Jay, Jay Courtney.
1: He's Australian, so I don't know. Um,
0: Jai. Jai, mate. Um, I'm buying that penny stock there. I'm going to ride that to uh, an Amazon breakout um, after Flash. Uh, A a bigger stock that I want to get a hold of at this point. Uh, Is Ben Affleck's stock depressed enough
1: that I can can afford to buy it, or is it still too high? Um... Maybe I feel like he might have gone down a little bit since his last you know real i mean gone girl was pretty good, but after that, I mean the accountant severely underrated at this point I think um well, I don't think it's too bad it's not like leo stock
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um i'm gonna i think he's a uh... 1990s, early 2000s bull, and uh, the market forum's kind of turned down and I'm, I'm ready to, to jump in at what I think is maybe a, a low point, and that's a big thing to come in. Um, though I don't think he's going to be playing Batman for much longer. Um, but uh, I think he's affordable and, and maybe that'll tank me out. But I'm, I'm buying
1: some Ben Affleck. Bonus points for Uh, being behind the camera a lot of times too. Um, If I'm using some big bucks on an expensive stock, I think at this point I gotta go with Gal Gadot. I I wanna say... um, You're just buying that Apple, huh? Yeah, I wanna say Margot Robbie, but at this point Gal Gadot, her charisma, uh, just everything about her is just shooting through the roof right now and in the eyes of fans as well. Um, I don't know. I, I think the Fast franchise is wanting is wanting Gal Gadot back. I bet you they're really wishing that they hadn't killed off her character in the sixth movie. Because, I mean, she's a, she's a box office draw now. We've seen that. And she's going to continue to be that. She's the turned into the main focus of Justice League advertisements. So she's my expensive stock pick. Um, I think the, you're out of money, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I might be, yeah. That might have been all I can afford. If I can possibly afford a little bit more, I'm going to buy some Ezra Miller stock as well. Um, it hasn't shown up very much, but I, something tells me he's going to be a shining point for the Justice League movie that's coming out in a few days here. I think he's going to be one of the, the highlights and one of the better parts of that film. Um, obviously he's really great in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, he even has a great little, little bit in Trainwreck. Um, that LeBron James movie. Just kidding, not that LeBron James movie. (laughs) What's her name? Um, the blonde lady who's funny sometimes. Why do I always forget her name?
0: Uh, um, Amy Schumer?
1: Amy Schumer, that's it. I don't know why I'm staring at a picture of Amy Poehler on the TV right now because Parks and Rec was up. That that confused me. But yeah, I'm buying some Ezra Miller stock. He's still in um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. He's going to be in the second part as well. Um, not the main character, obviously, in that, but I think that's going to help grow his profile. And he's going from indie darling to essentially a, a must-have for a lot of franchises, so I, I'm going to buy some Ezra Miller stock as well.
0: Looking 15 years from now, would you rather buy Ezra Miller today or, or Tom Holland?
1: Mm. Spider-Man. Man, I, I think I might have to go with Tom Holland, actually. I know I just made a super big case for Ezra Miller, but Tom Holland, he's, he's super charismatic in Spider Man and I think he Yeah got to a, be fair you did just see Spider Man homecoming, right? Yeah. Alright, so
0: maybe maybe that's messing the perception and, and haven't gotten to see the full flash, but
1: maybe. I need to see Tom Holland and some other things, but he's super charismatic and and funny, so that's a tough one. Um I, I still own a lot of Miles Teller stock though, if we're if we're aiming <laughs> for that age range. I know he's like Thirty now, but but still owning a lot of Miles Teller stock. I was listening to the watch today, and they were talking about um, if they're gonna reboot uh, Iron Man or just have a different, like recast Iron Man essentially, the Tony Stark role, or just have a person already in the universe take over the mantle of Iron Man. And they're like, why don't they just throw Miles Teller and turn him into the new Tony Stark? I would see that movie. I think it's. It's yeah roughly the same you can't replicate rdj <laughs> but i would see that movie <laughs> that's fair
0: I, I probably would as well
1: probably not as strong of a mustache game but I'd still see it 10 out of 10 Working on it. um well yeah that's that's about all i've got for the movie do you have any other plugs or anything else um, any other notes i should say
0: for this for, for suicide squad no i don't have any other notes to add i i'm curious if you would watch a suicide squad 2 uh, or what you would need in a plot to to spend some some money to
1: take somebody out on a date to see suicide squad 2 i don't know if i would need anything from the story i just want i want david Ayer's original version like, not original version, I guess, his own vision and what he wants in the movie. Like, I think Marvel did a really good job with this more recently, especially with uh, Thor Ragnarok, and um, they kind of do this with... uh, blanking on this name, too. The director of the Guardians trilogy. They kind of just let them do their own thing. You know, not a lot of studio interference with that. There's, like, here is a... A loosely based script you guys can improv we're not gonna sit here and chop up your movie based on a trailer that played really well for audiences just do your own thing you're a filmmaker be a filmmaker and that's what I really want from Suicide Squad 2 is just to let David Ayer do David Ayer things basically
0: I like it I would be all for the director's cut
1: yeah, I mean, if I wish there was just some, some ghost copy out there on the internet of what Suicide Squad was supposed to be, because I, I get disappointed thinking about it. I just really, I know there's a good movie somewhere in there. It's just yeah, too many cooks would, in the kitchen.
0: I would watch like a 15-minute YouTube video of Jared Leto just doing some Joker things.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of, for the movie too like he did a lot of interviews and I remember reading a a GQ spread on him as well before the film and it's it was kind of disappointing because he could have been one of the the stars of the movie but they cut out a lot of the scenes and I don't know this this just makes me want to watch Wonder Woman though because Wonder Woman really changes the tide for DC like entirely one film that's it
0: well Coming up
1: next yes can't wait we're gonna watch Wonder Woman and just gush over Gal Gadot as much as we did for Will Smith in this podcast I'm guessing <laughs> um thanks for everyone every, thanks for everybody else listening to this series god I hope we get Wonder Woman up before Justice League comes out but if not you'll have to bear with us uh we're doing the best we can with what we got um Thanks for taking the time. I know these podcasts are running a little bit longer than your typical, I mean, 60-minute fare, but hopefully they're as entertaining for you to listen to as it is for us to record. Um, Quinn, thanks for taking the time to do this, even though you are on vacation.
0: No problem, (laughs) Puddin'.
1: I lost my pudding. Well, this is Jordan uh, with the Podchat Show stay tuned for wonder woman um again we're going to get back to star wars like i said in the last pod hopefully pretty soon but we'll see uh you can get this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud until then stay evil friends you now they say about the crazy ones huh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm not going to kill
0: you. That the joke was on me.
1: I'm just going to hurt you, really, really.